Welcome to the Athens Collective. Thank you for listening to the Athens Collective. For more content, Welcome you can go to Instagram at the Athens, the Athens Collective. Collective. And you may submit collaboration ideas for your stories to the Athens Collective. series called the golden compass um and i ended up uh (laughs) getting it from the library so i could actually show you guys how fantastic this book is um and for you guys to hear it for yourselves if you haven't already gotten and gotten it for your for yourselves um so yeah today we're going to be reading the golden compass by Philip Pullman, um, and yeah, alright, go ahead and grab something warm to drink, a cozy drink, um, cozy food, cozy blankets, and let's go. Compass by Philip Pullman. Chapter 1 The Decanter of Tequet. Lyra and her daemon moved through the darkening hill, taking care to keep to one side out of sight in the kitchen. The three great tables that ran the length of, all, of the hall were laid already, the silver in the glass catching what little light there was, and the long benches were pulled out ready for the guests. Portraits of former masters hung high up in the gloom along the walls. Lyra reached the dais and looked back at the open kitchen door and, seeing no one, stepped up beside the high table. The places here were laid with gold, not silver, and the fourteen seats were were not oak benches but mahogany, chairs with velvet cushions. Lyra stopped beside the master's chair and flicked the biggest glass gently with a fingernail. The the sound rang clearly through the hall. "'You're not taking this seriously,' whispered her demon. "'Behave yourself.' Her demon's name was Pantalaimon, and he was currently in the form of a moth, a dark brown one, so as not to show up in the darkness of the hall. "'They're making too much noise to hear from the kitchen,' Lyra whispered back, "'and the steward doesn't come come in till the first bell. Stop fussing.' But she put her palm over the ringing crystal anyway, 
and Pantalaimon fluttered ahead and through the slightly open door of the retiring room at the other end of the dais. After a moment, he appeared again. There's no one there, he whispered, but we must be quick. Crouching behind the high table, Lila darted along the along and through the door into the retiring room where she stood up and looked around. The only light in here came from the fireplace where a bright blaze of logs settled slightly as she looked, sending a fountain of sparks through, up into the chimney. She had lived most of her life in the college, but had never seen the retiring room before. Only scholars and their guests were allowed in here, and never females. Even the maiden servants didn't clean in here. That was the butler's job alone. Pantalaimon settled on her shoulder. Happy now? Can we go? He whispered. Don't be silly, I want to look around. It was a large room with an oval table of polished rosewood, on which stood various decanters and glasses, and a silver smoking stand with a rack of pipes. On a sideboard nearby, there was a little chafing dish and a basket of poppy heads. They do themselves well, don't they, Pan? She said under her breath. She sat in one of the green leather armchairs. It was so deep she found herself nearly lying down, but she sat up again and tucked her legs under her to look at the portraits on the walls. More old scholars, probably, robed, bearded, and gloomy. They stared out of their frames in solemn disapproval. What do you think they talk about? Ly Lyra said, or began to say, because before she'd finished the question, she heard voices outside the door. Behind the chair, quick, whispered Pantalaimon. In a flash, Ly Lyra was out of the armchair and crouching behind it. It wasn't the best one for hiding behind. She'd chosen one in the very center of the room, and unless she kept very quiet, the door opened, and the light changed in the room. One of the incomers were, was carrying a lamp, which he put down on the sideboard. Lyra could see his legs in their dark green trousers and shiny black shoes. It was a servant. Then a deep voice said, Has Lord Azrael arrived yet? It was the master. As Lyra he held her breath, she saw the servant's daemon, a dog like all of the servant's daemons, trot in and sit quietly at his feet. And then the master's feet became visible too, in the shabby black shoes he always wore. No master, said the butler. No word from the Aradoc, either. I expect he'll be hungry when he arrives. Show him straight into hall, will you? Very good, master. And you've decanted some of the special decay for him. Yes, master. The 1998. As you ordered. His lordship is very partial to that, I remember. Good. Now leave me, please. Do you need the lamp, master? Yes, leave that too. Look in, look in during dinner to trim it, will you? The butler bowed slightly and turned to leave, his daemon trotting obediently after him. From her not much of a hiding place, Lyra watched as the master went to a large oak wardrobe in the corner of the room, took his gown from a hanger and put it laboriously on. The master had been a very powerful man, but he was well over seventy now, and his movements were stiff and slow. The master's daemon had jumped, for, had the form of a raven, and as soon as his robe on, she jumped down from the wardrobe and settled her in her accustomed place on his right shoulder. Lyra could feel Pantalaimon bristling with anxiety, though he made no sound. For herself, she was plenty, pleasantly excited. The visitor mentioned by the master, Lord Azrael, was her uncle, 
a man whom she'd admired and feared greatly. He was said to be involved in high politics, in secret exploration, in distant warfare, and she never knew when he was going to appear. He was fierce if he caught her in here, he'd, she'd be severely punished, but she could put up with that. What she saw next, however, changed things completely. The master took from his pocket a folded paper and laid it on the table beside the wine. He took the stopper out of the mouth of the decanter containing a rich golden wine, unfolded the paper, and poured a thin stream of white powder into the decanter before crumpling the paper and throwing it into the fire. Then he took a pencil from his pocket, stirred the wine until the powder had dissolved, and replaced the stopper. His daemon gave a soft, brief squawk. The master replied in an undertone and looked around with his hooded, clouded eyes before leaving the through the door he'd come in by. Lara whispered, "'Did you see that pan?' "'Of course I did. Now hurry out before the steward comes.' But as he spoke, there came a sound of a bell ringing once from the far end of the hall. "'That's the steward's bell,' said Lyra. "'I thought we had more time than that.' Pantalaimon fluttered swiftly to the hall door and swiftly back. "'The steward's there already,' he said, "'and you can't get out of the other door.' The other door, the one the master had entered and left by, opened onto the busy corridor between the library and the scholar's common room. At this time of, the, of day, it was thronged with men pulling on their gowns for dinner or hurrying to leave papers or briefcases in the common room before moving into the hall. Lyra had planned to leave the way she'd come, banking on another few minutes before the steward's bell rang, and if she hadn't seen the master tipping that powder into the wine, she might have risked the steward's anger or hoped to avoid being noticed in the busy corridor. But she was confused, and that made her hesitate. Then she heard heavy footsteps on the dais. The steward was coming to make sure the retiring room was ready for the scholar's poppy and wine after dinner. Lyra started to the oak wardrobe, opened it, and hid inside, pulling the door shut just as the steward entered. She had no fear for pantalimon. The room was somber-colored, and he could always creep under a chair. She heard the steward's heavy wheezing, and through the crack where the door hadn't quite shut, she saw him adjust the pipes in the rack by the smoking stand and cast a glance over the, de the decanters and glasses. Then he smoothed the hair over his ears with both palms and said something to his demon. He was a servant, so she was a dog. But the superior servant, so a superior dog. In fact, she had this form of a red setter. The demon seemed suspicious and cast around as if she sensed an intruder, but didn't make for the wardrobe. To Lyra's instant intense relief, Lyra was afraid of the steward who had twice beaten her. Lyra heard a, a tiny whisper. Obviously, Pentalimon had squeezed in beside her. We're going to have to stay here now. Why don't you listen to me? She didn't reply until the steward had left. It was his job to supervise the waiting at the high table. She could hear the scholars coming in, into the hall, the murmur of voices, the shuffle of feet. It's a good thing I didn't, she whispered back. We wouldn't have seen the master put poison in the wine otherwise. Pan, that was the ticket he asked the bus butler about. They're going to kill Lord Asriel. You don't know what's poison. Of course it is. Don't you remember? He made the butler re leave the room before he did it. If it was innocent, it wouldn't have mattered, the butler seeing. And I know there's something going on, something political. The servants have been talking about it for days. 
Pan, we could prevent a murder. I've never heard such nonsense, he said shortly. How do you think you're going to keep still for hours in this pokey wardrobe? Let me go and look in the corridor. I'll tell you when it's clear. He fluttered from her shoulder and, saw, and she saw his little shadow appear in the crack of light. It's no good, Pan. I'm staying, she said. There's another robe or something in here. I'll put that on the floor and make myself comfortable. I've just got to see what they do. She had been crouching. She carefully stood up, feeling around for the clothes hangers in order to not make a noise, and found that the wardrobe was bigger than she'd thought. There were several academic robes and hoods, some with fur around them, most faced with silk. I wonder if these are all the masters, she whispered. When he gets honorary degrees from other places, perhaps they give him fancy robes, and if he keeps them here for dressing up. Pan, do you really think it's not poison in that wine? No, he said. I think it is, like you do, and I think it's none of our business, and I think it would be the silliest thing you've ever done in a lifetime of silly things to interfere. It's nothing to do with us. Don't be stupid, Lyra said. I can't sit here, sit in here and watch them give him poison. Come somewhere else, then. You're a coward, Pan. Certainly, I am. May I ask what you intend to do? Are you going to leap out and snatch the glass from his trembling fingers? What did you have in mind? I didn't have anything in mind, and well, you know it. She snapped quietly. But now I've seen what the master did. I haven't got any choice. You're supposed to know about conscious, aren't you? How can I just go and sit in the library or somewhere and twiddle my thumbs knowing what's going to happen? I don't intend to do that, I promise you. This is what you wanted all the time, he said after a moment. You wanted to hide in here and watch. Why didn't I realize that before? All right, I do, she said. Everyone knows they get up to something secret. They have a ritual or something, and I just wanted to know what it is. It's none of your business. If they want to enjoy their little secrets, you should just feel superior and let them get on with it. Hiding and spying is for silly children. Exactly what I knew you'd say. Now stop nagging. The two of them sat in silence for a while. Lyra uncomfortable on the hard floor of the wardrobe, and Pantalaimon self-righteously twitching his temporary antenna on one of the robes. Lyra felt a mixture of thoughts contending in her head, and she would have liked nothing better than to share them with her demon, but she was proud too. Perhaps she should try and clear them up without his help. Her main thought was anxiety, and it wasn't for herself. She'd been in trouble often enough to be used to it, this time she was anxious about Lord Azriel and what it, this all meant. It was often that he visited the college, and the fact that this was a time of high political tension meant that he hadn't come simply to eat and drink and smoke with a few old friends. She knew that both Lord Azriel and the Master were members of the Cabinet Council, the Prime Minister's special advisory body, body. so it might have been something to do with that. But meetings of the cabinet council were held in the palace, not in the retiring room of Jordan College. Then there was the rumor that they had been keeping the college servants whispering for days. It was said that the Tartars had invaded Muscovy, and they were surging north to St. Balteric Sea, and eventually overcome the entire west of Europe, and Lord Asriel had been in the far north where, when she'd seen him last. He was preparing for an expedition to Lapland. Pan, she whispered. 
Yes. Do you think there'll be a war? Not yet. Lord Asriel wouldn't be dining here if it was going to break out in the next week or so. That's what I thought. But later... Shh, someone's coming. She sat up and put her eye to the crack of the door. It was the butler coming to trim the lamp, as the master had ordered him to. The common room and the library were lit by Enberic power, but the scholars preferred the older, softer, naphtha lamps in the retiring room. They wouldn't change that in the master's lifetime. The butler trimmed the wick and put another log in the fire as well, and then listened carefully at the hall door before helping himself to a handful of leaf from the smoking stand. He had hardly, hardly replaced the lid when the handle of the other door turned, making him jump nervously. Lyra tried not to laugh. The butler hastily stuffed the leaf into his pockets and turned to face the incomer. Lord Asriel, he said, and a shiver of cold surprise ran down Lyra's back. She couldn't see him from where she was, and she tried to smother the urge to move and look. Good evening, Wren, said Lord Asriel. Lyra always heard that harsh voice with a mixture of pleasure and apprehension. I've, I arrived too late to dine. I'll wait in here. The butler looked uncomfortable. Guests entered the retiring room at the master's invitation only, and Lord Asriel knew that. But the butler also saw Lord Asriel looking pointedly at the bulge in his pocket and decided not to protest. Shall I let the master know you have arrived, my lord? No harm in that. You might bring me some coffee. Very good, my lord. The butler bowed and hastened out, his demon trotting submissively at his heels. Lyra's uncle moved across to the fire and stretched his arm high above his head, yawning like a lion. He was wearing traveling clothes. Lyra was reminded, as she always was when she saw him again, of how much he frightened her. There was no question now of creeping out unnoticed. She'd have to sit tight and hope. Lord Asriel's demon, a snow leopard, stood behind him. Are you going to show the projections in here, she said quietly. Yes, it'll create less fuss than moving to the lecture theater. They'll want to see the specimens, too. I'll send for the porter in a minute. This is a bad time, Stella Maria. You should rest. He stretched out in one of the armchairs so that Lyra could no longer see his face. Yes, yes, I should also change my clothes. There's probably some ancient etiquette that allows them to find me a dozen bottles for coming in here dressed improperly. I should sleep for three days. The fact remains that... There was a knock, and the butler came in with a silver tray bearing a coffee pot and a cup. Thank you, Wren, said Lord Asriel. Is that the decay I see on the table? The master ordered it, decanted, especially for you, my lord, said the butler. There are only three dozen bottles left of the ninety-eight. All good things pass away. Leave the tray here beside me. Oh, ask the porter to send up two, the two cases I left in the lodge, would you? Here, my lord? Yes, here, man. And I shall need a screen and a projecting lantern. Also here. Also now. The butler could hardly prevent himself from opening his mouth in surprise, but managed to suppress the question or the protest. Wren, you're forgetting your place, said Lord Asriel. Don't question me, just do as I tell you. Very good, my lord, said the butler. If I may suggest it, it should perhaps let 
I should perhaps let Mr. Coston know what you're planning, my lord, or else he'll be somewhat taken aback, if you see what I mean. Yes, tell him then. Mr. Coston was the steward. There was an old and well-established driver leave between him and the butler. The steward was the superior, but the butler had moved more opportunities to in integrate himself with the scholars and made full use of them. He would be delighted to have this chance of showing the steward that he knew more about what was going on in the retiring room. He bowed and left. Lyra watched as her uncle poured a cup of coffee, drained it at once, and poured another before sipping more slowly. She was agog. Cases of specimens? A projecting lantern? What did he have to show the scholars that was so urgent and important? Then Lord Asriel stood up and turned away from the fire. She saw him fully and marveled at the contrast he made with the plump butler. The stooped and languid scholars. Lord Asriel was a tall man with a powerful shoulders, an, a fierce dark face and eyes that seemed to flash and glitter with savage laughter. It was a face to be dominated by, or to fight, never a face to pit patronize or pity. All his movements were large and perfectly balanced, like those of a wild animal, and when he appeared in a room like this, he seemed a wild animal held in a cage too small for it. At the moment, his expression was distant and preoccupied. His demon came close and leaned her head on his waist, and he looked down at her unfathomably before turning away and walking to the table. Lyra suddenly felt her stomach lurch, for Lord Asriel had taken the stopper from the decanter of the decay and was pouring a glass. No! The quiet cry came before she could hold it back. Lord Asriel turned, heard and turned at once. Who's there? She couldn't help herself. She tumbled out of the wardrobe and scrambled up to the snatch the glass from his hand. The wine flew out, splashing on the edge of the table and the carpet, and then the glass fell and smashed. He seized her wrist and twisted her hand. Lyra, what the hell are you doing? Let go of me and I'll tell you. I'll break your arm first. How dare you come in here? I've just saved your life. They were still for a moment. The girl, twisted in pain. but grimacing to prevent herself from crying out louder. The man bent over her, frowning like thunder. What did you say? He said more quietly. That wine is poisoned, she muttered, between clenched teeth. I saw the master put some powder in it. He let go. She sank to the floor and pantaliman fluttered anxiously to her shoulder. Her uncle looked down with a restrained fury, and she didn't dare meet his eyes. I just came in to see what the room was like, she said. I know I shouldn't have, but I was going to go out before anyone came in, except that I heard the master coming and got trapped. The wardrobe was the only place to hide, and I saw him put the powder in the wine. If I hadn't... There was a knock at the door. That'll be the porter, said Lord Asriel, back in the wardrobe. If I hear the slightest noise, I'll make you wish you were dead. She darted back there at once, and no sooner had she pulled the door shut than... Lord Asriel called. Come in. As he said, it was the porter. In here, my lord? Lyra saw the old man standing doubtfully in the doorway, and behind him, the corner of a large wooden box. That's right, Shatter, said Lord Asriel. Bring them both in and put them down by the table. Lyra relaxed a little and allowed herself to feel the pain in her shoulder and wrist. 
It might have been enough to make her cry if she was the sort of girl who cried. Instead, she gritted her teeth and moved the arm gently until it felt looser. Then came a crash of glass and the glug of spilled liquid. Damn you, Shudder, you careless old fool. Look what you've done. You could see her uncle had managed to knock the chanter of decay off the table and make it look like as, as though Porter had done it. The old man put the box down carefully and began to apologize. I'm truly so sorry, my lord. I must have been closer than I thought. Get something to clear this mess up. Go on, before it soaks, soaks into the carpet. The porter hurried out. Lord Asriel moved closer to the wardrobe and spoke in an undertone. Since you're in there, you can make yourself useful. Watch the master closely when he comes in. If you tell me something interesting about him, I'll keep you from getting further into trouble you're already in. Understood? Yes, uncle. Make a noise in there and I won't help you. You're on your own. He moved away and stood with his back to the fire again as the porter came back with a brush and a dustpan for the glass and, the, and a bowl with the clean cloth. I can only say once again, my lord, I do most earnestly beg your pardon. I don't know what. Just clear up the mess. As the porter began to mop the wine from the carpet, the butler knocked and came in with Lord Azrael's manservant, a man called Thorold. They were carrying between them a heavy case of polished wood with brass handles. They saw what the porter was doing and stopped dead. Yes, it was the Takei, said Lord Azrael. Too bad. Is that the lantern? Set it up by the wardrobe. Thorold, if you would, I'll have the screen up at the other end. Lyra realized that she would be able to see the screen and whatever was on it through the crack in the door, and wondered whether her uncle had arranged it like that for the purpose. Under the nose the man-servant made, untrolling the stiff linen and setting it up on its frame, she whispered, See, it was worth coming, wasn't it? It might be, Pantalaimon said austerly in his tiny moth voice, and it might not. Lord Asriel stood by the fire, sipping the last of the coffee and watching darkly as Thorold opened the case of the projecting lantern and uncapped the lens before checking the oil tank. There's plenty of oil, my lord, he said. Shall I send for a technician to operate it? No, I'll do it myself, thank you, Thorold. Have they finished dinner yet, Wren? Very nearly, I think, my lord, replied the butler. If I understand, Mr. Cawson, all right. The master and his guest won't be disposed to linger once they know you're here. Shall I take the coffee tray? Take it and go. Very good, my lord. With a slight bow, the butler took the tray and left, and Thorold went with him. As soon as the door closed, Lord Asriel looked across the room directly at the wardrobe, and Lyra felt the force of his glance almost as if it had physical form, as if it was on an arrow or spear. Then he looked away and spoke softly to his demon. She came to sit calmly at his side, alert and elegant and dangerous, her tawny eyes surveying the room before turning, like his black ones to the door from the hall as the handle turned. Lyra couldn't see the door, but she heard an intake of breath as the first man came in. "'Master,' said Lord Asriel. "'Yes, I'm back. Do bring your guests. I've got something very interesting to show you.'
that was the first chapter of the golden compass i wanted to do two but that first chapter took a little longer than i expected um if you guys enjoy this book i really recommend you going and getting it for yourself um i would also very much be willing to uh, read a couple more chapters and um if you guys would like that um but yeah it's it's a really incredible book um and it has an accompanying accompany accompanying <laughs> accompanying movie um that is also very incredible that i i really grew up with i hope you guys enjoyed that first chapter um and i hope that today's episode gave you a little break from whatever's been going on in your weeks whether you had a really good week or a really exhausting one either way i hope this is a little something to take your mind off of things um, yeah. Uh, it's about time for me to head out, but I will see you all soon. And until then, I'm sending love over air. Thank you for listening to the Athens Collective. For more content, you can go to Instagram at the Athens Collective, and you may submit collaboration ideas or your own stories to theathenscollective.mcohen at gmail.com